Hello and welcome to a new episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is Siddhartha Vaidyanathan at Sidvi on Twitter. And I'm joined by the regular crew today, Mahesh, Ashoka, and Kartikeya. I'll link all their uh, bios, their Twitter handles, and their uh, and I'll link Kartikeya's Substack as well. Okay, great to have everyone here. Today, we normally meet to review a test or a series, but uh, that is not the case here because uh, I think... Uh, 2022 is uh, going to be uh, a year of uh, very few tests for India going forward. I think India play, hardly play. Then there's the big series coming ahead early next year against Australia. But until then, I think there are very limited number of test matches. But anyway, we thought we'd talk about uh, an interesting trend that has uh, been going on in test cricket. I mean, we it's yet, we are, uh, it's intriguing for me especially and I thought I'll, uh, you know, it'll be good to discuss. We have brought it up in our uh, reviews, and uh, you know, we have discussed it uh, in a little bit before. This is about the fourth innings run chase, uh, but we thought we should, you know, do a little bit of a little more detailed discussion on it and find out exactly what is happening. Recently, we have seen many teams pulling off uh, challenging fourth innings targets. As recently, Pakistan did it in Gaul recently with Abdullah Shafiq getting a big hundred. Uh, England have been uh, doing this quite regularly. They uh, pulled off 250-plus chases against uh, New Zealand, three in a row, in fact. And then they chased 370-plus, 378, if I'm not mistaken, which was the highest ever run chase, uh, you know, by England, which was a major achievement at Edgbaston against India. So, anyway... uh, We'll get into the stats and all that soon. But before this, before starting this podcast, the usual reminder, uh, Cricket Beyond the Bazaar by Mike Coward has been recently republished by 81 All Out, um, a landmark book published in 1990 about India and Australia's cricketing relations until that point. Uh, quite a, you know, really original book and a lot of insight, a lot of uh, wonderful writing on matches. Please pick it up. This is the second book that we have republished via 81 All Out Publishing. The first being War Minus the Shooting by Mike Parkasi, a book around the 1996 World Cup. So you can pick that up too. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm just uh, going to start with uh, one stat. I mean, that just shows us that, you know, since the start of 2021, there have been 58 instances of teams batting in the fourth innings. Of the 58 chases, 27 have ended in teams winning the test and there were 21 losses for the teams batting last and 10 matches ended in a draw. Now, this is irrespective of the target. I mean, this is just teams batting fourth. But this itself is, uh, you know, quite striking because usually batting fourth can be one of the hardest pursuits in a test match. So, yeah, I mean, let's start with initial impressions. Mahesh, you you have been putting forth this theory for the last... uh, I mean, maybe more than a year even, about uh, teams chasing better in the fourth innings and willing to chase bigger scores, etc. So maybe you can start off. Uh, a lot of the uh, the recent, uh, when I say recent, let's say last seven or eight years, right? Uh, the great bowling performances have come 
partly because of the conditions, right? And and you know this probably Kelly is going to agree, right? Every time we talk about uh, a turner as a, as an underprepared tra track or or a turning track is something that can be uh, made to order, whereas a seeming thing somehow happens naturally. It doesn't happen naturally. There is a certain level of preparation that uh, that happens, or under preparation that happens, or or lack of drying or whatever you want to call it, right? There is a certain precondition that's required for the ball to seam around, right? And and a lot of the bowlers have benefited from these. And, and this is also probably the era of uh, pretty much every fast bowler being a seam bowler, right? The the swing bowler is a very rare phenomenon, which was not always the case. And what that has resulted in is two things. One, the, the wickets tend to dry up. Uh, and when it dries up, it's it's character changes. And a lot of the bowlers who are used to bowling on these, uh, you know, seamer friendly conditions are not as effective. You know, like I was looking at some of the record uh, records of the current day fast bowlers before coming into this episode. I mean, Pat Cummins' record across all four innings is great. But if you, uh, uh, whereas Mitchell Starks is not, or, um, you know, to uh, Hazelwood's is, is more or less the same. There was another odd example I found. Uh, Saudi, for instance, is not the same. Uh, there are quite a few. I mean, Anderson's is, is really terrible. Terrible in the sense is, if you look at his average, it's okay. But like wickets per innings is, is really low. Uh, that was one of the things that I was thinking about. And of course, the other thing that I, I thought was going to contribute to this is that when the wicket is flat and when the bowling is slightly below par, I think the current day batsmen are far better at capitalizing on that than before. And logically so, right? They, they just like naturally the median hitter today is, is much better than before. And also, they tend to play a lot more games. And when you play a lot more games, a fear of failure or the so a, a loss in a test match, like you know, like a Barbados, for instance, in '97, uh, meant a lot to us. But today, you lose a test match; it doesn't matter. You move on, right? Like in, so, the, there's also that factor which liberates people to take chances, perhaps. I mean, the, the chase that we had in Gabba, the the India chase in Gabba, uh, is partly enabled by the liberation that it's okay to lose, right? Like I don't think if you had a series to lose, you you know, you could have had a drawn series. You had a series to lose. I'm not sure how many past teams would have taken the chance. So there's that factor as well. But primarily, it's driven by the fact that I think the conditions, the, the modern test matches are set up in a way where the first innings advantage seems to matter a lot. And the bowlers are prepared for that. The conditions are prepared for that. And that kind of skews uh, the game a little more uh, in the fourth innings than before. I think that's just, that was my sense I was going for at that time. And subsequently, it's, it's become a different beast altogether. No, I think GABA also, it really helped that uh, India just needed to draw that match to, you know, uh, read, uh, if they had drawn that match, then it would have been a drawn series, right? Then they could have retained the border guard. Yeah, yeah but what if they lost, right? In the process of going for the win, what if they lost? I mean, Yeah, but then they the... would have, that's what I'm saying. So if they had to win that match to, uh, you know, uh, make the series uh, level, then it would have been, it might have been totally different compared to the fact that they had to just draw it. And then once they realized at some point of time that they could actually go for it, they did. I think that made a difference for sure. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Say, that, that's exactly my point. If you remember the 2007 England uh, series uh, where Dravid was a captain, I think his last series as a captain, the final uh, match, I mean, we, they could have easily gone for a target, set a target and, you know, gone for the win. But they just absolutely played it safe, blocked it out. Of course, Kartika is going to bring out the conditions here and whatever. Uh, but the fact is that the when you play more games, I think the the value of a loss is is lesser, and that to some extent plays a part as well. But that's not the most important part. Yeah. Since we are coming off, or I don't know if we are coming off a golden bowling era, if the bowling era is over or whatnot. But there is a scarcity of openings 
for batsmen against quality teams you can't you know you don't get an opening against an attack indian attack or an uh, australian attack in conditions that favor them or even a south african attack so so i think that the batsmen are forced to attack more or you know play shots at balls sometimes they come off like barrister's innings if you see barrister's innings the first 60 balls like he didn't look like he could connect anything but he kept on you know swinging it so i think that's a rule more than uh, even before all this baseball nonsense uh, batsmen are forced to attack because you have to extract some value at the end of the day from your innings you can't just you know uh, <laughs> try to survive the only person who still does that i believe is pujara uh, to an extent elgar but that's about it i even if you see the recent tests uh you can see karunaratne I, i didn't know karunaratne had the reverse sweep in him but he is doing reverse sweeps he is coming down the track and so so conditions are dictating the batsmen to take more risks because you know uh, the opportunities are scarce and and when the opportunities uh, i mean when the conditions are very very good for batting and batsmen are aggressive more runs come off as a result so i think it is more to do with batsmen going for you know shots irrespective of what the target is if it is 150 or 250 or 350 they are just going for it but even then explaining a 370 chase explaining 275 chases is like bizarre in a year it is just bizarre very bizarre but those chases were very common in the 2000s in the you know the era of the titanium era galacticos now that's basically the only decade in the in the history of test cricket in which uh, a 200 chase has been won more often than it has been lost and at, in the 2010s it was definite it was lost more often than it was won in the 2020s currently it's about even i don't know which way it's heading but you know the, this is not this is not unusual the other thing is to 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 get to to mahesh's point about this brisbane thing india form on trying to commit suicide in the fourth innings they have four times at least i can think of that they have lost in the fourth innings in test matches where you know they on another day they might have saved it you know there was the test match in new zealand in february 2014 there was the test match in adelaide in 2014 then there was a the test match of the oval in 2018 if i'm correct then there was brisbane and just before brisbane there was sydney and actually sydney is the one example where they actually tried to save the test match with vihari uh, and uh, ashwin i mean as far as chases are concerned i don't think that there's anything special going on i mean well, the, there are it seems to me from all the if you look at the test match record the thing about fourth innings chases is that they only become possible when time is no longer a factor you know when when there's enough time in the test match for the result for the runs to be chased down the runs tend to get chased down and this is a little subtle because it doesn't necessarily depend only on the fourth innings run chase that uh, you know speed it depends on the scoring rate in the test match as a whole so in the test match as a whole in the first innings for instance the runs have come at 3 and a half 4 and over then chasing 375 overs is not that hard in 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 uh, in the fourth innings but in a test match where teams have struggled to score at two and a half and over in the first innings then in those conditions 
300 is a lot of runs in 75 so it it's really about how easy it is to score in the conditions how run friendly the conditions are how much depth the bowling has those are the things which which affect this stuff and you know i think i mean i mean the the england situation this year has been a bit of a special case uh, i think in that you know the the ball that they've been using has been really weird it's been changed over and over again uh and like almost every they've also had ball. and they've also had one of the hottest summers or something so the weather could be playing a part too yeah yeah the weather has been weird everything has been weird uh and johnny besto has been like in gun form like utterly gun form so yeah i, I mean i i am not i am generally skeptical of you know the idea that you know suddenly someone discovers a new way to win in test cricket that, that has tended not to happen and it i don't think it's happening right now uh, your point about the time available is is very valid and and that is certainly helping the cause here and 2000s is just a, i mean it was just a flatter sort of era and it was just a bloated you know, high high inflation era so every innings was inflated and so was the fourth innings so i i completely agree with you on on not treating that seriously uh but is is it also is it not true that as as players play more and especially as players play more formats uh they they re they reevaluate the idea of risk reward in cricket and and we've already seen that happen in uh, in test cricket in many different ways of course bowlers find a way to come back and so on but is it fair to say that when cricket was kind of semi professional uh the fourth innings chases tend to be cautionary for more reasons than just merit scoring was slower in test cricket in the 60s than it is today that that's true and it was probably it was even slower in the 30s than it was in the 60s that's also true i mean some of it has to do with the with the change in the lbw law some of the some of it has to do with some other things so with covered with pitches and stuff like that some of it has to do with the fact that bats have become bigger and more powerful bowlers batsmen have become fitter bowlers have become you know they've brought the boundaries in in some of these grounds more players have have more shots which they can play uh and this has the effect of you know this has the effect of uh producing quicker dismissals and more runs marginally but it's still it's still a, it's still it's still not the case that the batting has suddenly gained ascendancy or bowling has suddenly gained ascendancy the the risk is maybe marginally more in in you know the batsmen are marginally more prepared to take chances uh than they used to be i would not be surprised if uh, batsmen are leaving a fewer balls these days compared to say earlier i mean uh but that whether they are playing shots to more balls and whether they are trying to score runs off more balls than they were earlier i mean i don't know It'd be good to find out uh but what that has ha- what has basically happened because of that is we have also we are also seeing extremes i mean we are not only seeing chases of 350 uh, 378 and you know 352 we are also seeing 36 all out like i'm saying it's like in the same sort of space we are also seeing teams falling collapsing for less than 100 quite often england fell in the tour of india i think 81 all out in ahmedabad most famously 81 all out uh there have been other sub 100 scores so i'm saying with there's also like the other extreme to it right and that could be no. because of the way they are batting 
No, no. So, I mean, that's a common sort of reasoning, right? I'm not sure I buy into it because one is that it is, I mean, I'm sure Katie has said this many times before, right? It, it, it is almost impossible for any batsman industry to bat well when the, when the ball is moving around so much and you've got skillful bowlers doing that, right? So, in fact, my theory on the fourth inning chase comes from that. The fact that if you are seeing so, so much volatility in the first inning scores and a lot of sub-100 scores, it logically means that the first innings is a lot more conducive for bowlers to exploit their conditions. And you keep getting those conditions. You're going to keep sort of one, uh, you know, the system is going to create such bowlers who, who are particularly, uh, you know, better suited to exploiting those conditions. And over a period of time, you'll get more bowlers who are coming through the ranks. And the selectors will keep picking those bowlers more often than not. And naturally, if you're going to, okay, there is a five-match test series and three matches are decided by who wins the first day. You're better off going with bowlers who will exploit the first day conditions better than, you know, like someone who can last five days, right? Uh, and the whole fitness, I mean, this is again a marginal factor, but one of the things that you notice about fitness is that, uh, and it is true, even at a recreational level, if you play, right, the, there is a, the, the knowledge of fitness is so high and the level of preparedness and professionalism is so high that going into the first year of a test match, the players are hyper fit. They are so, you know, in pristine sort of prime fitness form. And, and you can see that, especially in, in Australia, where you see uh, them working out in the morning. Indian team doesn't quite do that in the ground, but even with Australian, both men and women's team, you'll see them foam rolling. You'll see them, you know, like working on their deltoids. And uh, you can see that they're going into the test in prime condition on day one. So all that wear and tear has to happen. And then naturally, you know, you're going to be a little, little bit more suboptimal. And that's all it takes for the skew to change. And it's not a significant skew. I mean, I think one of the earlier podcasts we were discussing, right? If let's say 5% of the chases were successful earlier, even if it becomes seven and a half, it's a 50% increase to the previous baseline. That's all it is. It's, but on an absolute basis, it's only two and a half percent. I'll give you the stat that's probably also making it a little more stark. I mean, between 2017 and 2020, there were 109 instances of teams batting in the fourth innings and only 32 successful chases. But since the start of 2021, uh, it's 58 instances and 27 teams have ended up winning. So, I mean, we're also watching in comparison of what happened recently. So that's probably also making it like a little more stark in our heads compared to, you know, as KD says in the 2000s, this was happening quite often. But you do get collapses in the fourth innings, no? I mean, we've seen there were collapses in the 2000s also, no? I mean, you know, you remember even even if you just take England versus India in India in the 2000s, you know, India have been bowled out for 100 in the fourth innings. in the in 2006 and they made 380 whatever uh, whatever it was in the fourth innings uh, two years in 2008 later. yeah yeah so i mean th- those sorts of things are i mean if there's time those sorts of things are not unusual i mean even in the 80s you can think of that no i mean they've been bowled out by 100 uh, 400 by, by you know bracewell and hagley and then before that they've managed they they made 340 something in one day in the tight test the difference between making 270 and 340 in a day is like it has to do with the conditions. It has to do with the scoring conditions, you know, and, and it has to do with whether the opposition has a has a has a bowler who can shut an end down, you know. And if they don't, then 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 it's a free for all basically. So that brings me to this question. If I mean, you also mentioned this in your uh, blog uh, as well that if it's a factor of conditions, which I agree. Why is it that we tend to see, I mean, the natural 
the first thing we are taught in cricket is that over a period of time test match wicket wears down and on the last day it's difficult to bat because of all the wear and tear the bounce is inconsistent the ball is moving a little bit uh, it's turning quite a bit whatever there are plenty of reasons and it it, it shows in the batsman's record right i mean you know the, that's other funny thing i found uh, or all of us know is that typically for a batsman the fourth innings record is not as good as the first innings record but it's not true for, for bowlers that the fourth innings record is significantly better than first or second innings records so that's that's there's that conundrum as well but even but spinners uh even for spinners it's not a significant difference if you look at the i mean very few right uh, there are some like bishan singh bedi or, or there are some bowlers for whom the uh, the difference is stark uh, but but if you look at murali or uh, you know like even ashwin it, it's not that stark maybe ashwin i'm not sure but, but but maybe spinners a little more than that but but, but i'm saying on average for a batsman the drop in average between first and second innings to fourth innings it's not the same for bowlers so that's that's a that's a weird conundrum correct uh, so and uh, just to just to add to that uh, all the recent chases that we have seen have one thing in common right irrespective of the skill in batting and bowling that the conditions ease out after let's say day 3 or day 4 but why does why do you think that's happening across like it's happening in england it's happening in new zealand it's happening in south africa it's also happening in sri lanka or what i mean I, at least I, in sri lanka it should not happen right and pakistan thing, not to forget uh karachi that karachi was <coughs> could have been a chase had they yeah, had exactly, more time exactly yeah so i mean it's part of the condition for sure but my see the that seems too simple for me right that also goes against wh- what we have known about test cricket for so long that the wicket progressively gets worse to uh, bat on but i'm also reasonably convinced that uh, that the, it's got something to do with the bowling it's got something to do with the ability to bowl in the fourth innings ability to last a test match with the same intensity right you can argue that the fourth innings great bowler today is as good as the fourth innings great bowler of of any other era but the 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 great bowler in the first innings today is a lot more potent than before so there is a certain drop in intensity between first and fourth innings even if you argue that uh, the baseline on fourth innings is on par with the previous eras or whatever uh, i just have the sense that the great bowlers of today are a lot more potent on day 1 and day 2 than day 4 and day 5 yeah but that's because that that with that's one way to put it i think uh, another way to put it would be that th- this whole idea that you need a great batting lineup to chase in the fourth innings is uh, just untrue you know i mean basically what's been happening is that attacks have been deeper and so the first three innings are getting completed faster and so the fourth inning starts a little earlier so the wicket is not really as worn as it we normally expect it to be it's not really ever a fifth day wicket it's usually a late third day wicket early fourth day wicket you know so uh, in in terms of the overs that have been bowled in terms of you know the time most of the, most of the time most of these test matches are getting over early on the fifth day or something like that you know because if you if you think about if you look at if you look at the record right uh, england for example have had two periods in which they've had a lot of fourth innings chases in excess of 200 which have been successful 2019 to 2022 they've had what six six chases 362 against australia 277 against pakistan and then uh, the three cha- the four chases this year mm. and the mo- before the second one at the turn of the century is it to 2001 to 5 or whatever when oh. they won in karachi and all that yeah karachi colombo to 2001 when and those are those are guess what those two periods are those are periods in which by common consensus everyone thinks england's batting was crap which was the second period 
97 to 2001 you know when oh, wow yeah that is what that is the turn of the century right which is what i was uh... yeah that yeah, includes it... karachi and colombo right yeah karachi uh, colombo uh, uh, yeah atherton hussein like mark butcher rash 100 right top yeah atherton hussein stewart you know that was they were constantly getting blown away by you know ambrose and walsh and magra and gillespie and you know donald and mcpollock and uh, wasim and wakar and you know this was like you know atherton was averaging 20 against these people and all that but that's the period when they have the they have six or seven chases uh, in excess of 200 during that period all over the world and this is basically the this this basically sort of illustrates the fact that you know test matches are about the the depth of the attack that you're facing you know? and and if you are in the game then you're you still have a chance you know and if you're chasing 200 in the fourth innings and there's enough time then you still have a chance especially if the wicket is good you know uh, how does the depth of the attack work here because the deeper attack you would imagine is can sustain themselves through uh four it innings also, right why is that why are they losing it why are they not effective enough in the fourth innings it it also means that the fourth innings is coming earlier in the test match no so the wicket is not bearing that much first of all i don't think a lot of the chases happen before the fifth day right i mean like the last two tests in, in sri lanka or the karachi one i mean they they could have gone for the even the sixth day some of them right so i'm not yeah, sure that fully really good wickets some of these are really good wickets that's true No, but even fourth day, like it's not like okay then. Okay, oh, I don't know. I mean, at least I grew up thinking that a fourth day wicket is harder to bat than first day wicket, right? Uh, I mean, usually you always say second and third day are the best best days to bat. Even fourth day was going to be difficult, and we've seen plenty of collapses even in the fourth day. It is all of these all of these chases that you see. There have been seven failed chases uh, uh, where the target has been in excess of two hundred uh, in two thousand twenty-two. So there have been seven wins and seven defeats. in 2020 so it's not as though they every time someone lines up a chase of 200 or more uh, teams are chasing it down they're chasing it down about once in two innings but you know 50% I mean? of chasing more than 200 is quite uh, strikes yeah, quite a not, yeah but it's over a short small number of test matches yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. i mean it's it's a it's a unusually good run i mean england are not going to chase that many runs in four consecutive test matches like that all the time i mean after the south africa series when they chase uh, 250 plus in each we will we will talk then no, but it is also equally true right with, the, with that approach they're going to have a lot more of first innings collapses of 100 under 100 and they're going to probably chase more scores of 200 more than 200 in the fourth innings and that's really the risk reward that they are you know playing it's just that except when they are going to get out for under 100 on saving conditions they're going to somebody is going to come and say oh baseball doesn't work somebody is going to come and like graham gooch is a man to teach them technique on how to play the moving ball you know mcallen should go back to new zealand you know all those kind of things will start but it is true that with that approach they're going to have more successful fourth inning run chases at the cost of something else also one point i want to bring up which ashoka said about the defensive bowling i mean it's again could be just what i'm seeing on uh, and could be recency bias as well but seems really hard to especially with the current batsmen in the kind of form they are with the kind of range they have uh, it's hard to bowl defensive to them in when the conditions are good for batting and when they are in that kind of mode 
I mean, how are you going to set that field, 7-2 field? How are you going to, I mean, there used to be this concept of bowling negative, right? Where you basically go, uh, you know, over the wicket, left arm spinner over the wicket, bowls wide of leg stump and tries to, now what? I mean, batsmen have enough ways to counter that. Reverse sweep or, you know, they, they can figure it out. I mean, that did, yeah, that did happen in the Pakistan series, right? Like Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Prabhat Jaisuriya, for a while, he was bowling over the wicket. No? And, and they did find ways to hit it. Like they, some tried to reverse sweep it from that angle. Some tried to, you know, scoop it. Babar and Rizwan, I think. Not Rizwan. Babar mostly. But it, it worked in, It worked one time. It didn't work the second time. No, I mean, They got bowled out for 260. Yeah, but the second time, they also remember that uh, Dananjaya was so conservative, he made sure that the target was well beyond their reach before he could even declare. Yeah, I mean, but that... I don't know. I don't think that matters. I mean, they could have still, they sort of still batted out time. I mean, still, I mean look, they're going to take chances. Players are prepared to take chances because they have more shots that they think they can play. And it is probably true now that if you have a lineup of six batsmen, then the number of scoring shots that they have all told between the six of them is greater now on average than it was 25 years ago. That's probably true. Yeah, and they're practicing it. No, I mean, this is not uh, something that they're just doing in the test. As we discussed after the Edgbaston test, I mean, Joe Root and Besto and all, are, they are like properly practicing all these shots in the net to execute it in the thing. It's not like they just arrive there and start playing these. Uh, that is all true. That is true. And I mean, but it's still, you know, it's bizarre that cost of a wicket is still high in test. And uh, how much ever shots you have, you just have, you know, uh, what, if you have like 10 shots, that is 10 ways of getting out. Also, you can score 10, I mean, 10 ways of scoring runs, but that's also getting out, way of ways of getting out. So the odds are not in the favor of the batsman as the test progresses to, you know, keep reversing or, you know, play scoop and whatnot. Uh, the prime example of that in this uh, Pakistan-Sri Lanka series is uh, Dikwela. Yeah, he did play, you know, like, like every ball is going to get him out and he did play shots almost to every ball. He got a 50, entertaining 50 in the first test, but then he also failed subsequently. So that is the uh, problem of, you know, if you have too many shots, you actually have too many ways of getting out. And, and that's what is, you know, makes this whole chases kind of puzzling. Because you expect if the batsmen are playing too many shots, they're going to get out at some point. No, so one of the things I was thinking about before coming here is there was a podcast that we did with Amol Muzumdar on um, coaching the, the young generation of cricketers, right? And one of the things that he was mentioning is that, you know, when we grew up, Whatever the coach told, we lapped onto it. Right? The coach told, "Do not play outside Ashram. You didn't play outside Ashram." But but today the 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 batter is saying, "This is the, this is what works for me, right? This is what works for me. This is what I do." So there's that that confidence that you know I play my game, right? There is that confidence, and also like for instance, if you remember Mike Gatting's river sweep in the '87 World Cup, or you know Damien Martin's uh, shot in Adelaide, uh, you know the, we we went through this time where we like the cricket uh, ecosystem assigned such great importance for one flaw, which was always happening, right? But that is not happening right now because there's simply too much cricket. The consequence of playing a reckless shot is not the same as before. It's not like, and the influence of writers and editors and, you know, 
it's like if let's say a great cricket writer writes saying oh this was a reckless shot it had consequences the selectors were reading now nobody reads you know now the whole system is so professional uh, that that those uh, insecurities are not there anymore and then these are better hitters and a reverse sweep played today is not the same as reverse sweep played like 10 years back the percentages are a lot better for that shot i would say even for the scoop shot i mean they are they are really good at executing those shots in some cases they don't even differentiate between playing i mean i was a little surprised you said karnaratne uh, was playing reverse sweep because he's always played it and he's not even a t20 batsman he he plays it quite a lot uh, there was another player that i was thinking of you know who's a primarily a test batsman but he plays a, a lot of reverse sweep the, the name kind of skips me so the the fact that they play so many matches the fact that they are more uh, content about expressing themselves as individual batters and the ecosystem has changed and become more professional the coaching system has changed and become more professional and people simply do not pay the same price for one reckless sort of choice uh, also helps in in you know liberating players to go for these shots so why not uh, address the most important reason for this which i disagree with by the way t20 and short form cricket i know i know there is a, this temptation to say that uh, you know t20 the arrival of t20s has resulted in this kind of uh, improvement in range and improvement in scoring rates and all that the range perhaps has a bit of a you know bit of a truth in that because obviously uh, a besto who is playing in the ipl would be practicing a certain set of strokes which would then there would be a sort of a shift that happens when it comes to when he's practicing for the next series as well but i think if you look at since 2012 i mean effectively i'm not looking before 2012 because even though t20s were around before then i think we can just see the real effect of t20 only after 2010 or 2012 and even one day cricket which has drastically changed uh, over the last 15 20 years i think you have many number of chases where uh, teams have been batting quite you know in what you would call a typical mode like in a sensible test match mode and getting to the target whether it's the recent uh, match in gaul or whether it's uh, uh, west indies against bangladesh that famous match where uh, kyle myers scored a double uh, west indies chase 395 in that quite uh, remarkable or whether it's uh, that match in sharjah where pakistan chased against sri lanka with uh, uh, misbahul haq and all in the dark when they got a pretty tough target i mean all of that is like pretty i mean i so i think it's one can only get take this theory so far there's no effect of t20 in evident in any record any and how do you make that connection like what is the parameter you choose to is, i mean most of the most of the fast fourth innings run chases uh, have come between 2000 and 2014 or 1999 and 2014 in the history of test cricket so that's not because of t20 there may be a time some years from now when the test match lineups are chock full of ipl stars you know i mean you can imagine like india having like six rishabh pant clones in their in the batting lineup that's possible but that's not the case right now you know i mean there, there, there's very little overlap between test teams and t20 sides and test teams and franchise 11s for one thing what you know, are you talking about india also, has also, a team which is chock full of ipl stars already that is that is there pant is there kohli no, is there my no, 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 definition kohli and rohit are not ipl stars right no, of course they are not ipl stars they are ipl baggages when you playing test cricket you are 
six people in an entire country okay you're not going to be manufactured in some system you you're extremely special you know you're not and and test cricket is really hard you know i mean so it is no, no, you have to kd you have this distinction right you make this yeah. distinction between batters and hitters right and that's i think a fantastic uh, distinction where you say that kohli is batting he's not hitting which is his, which is the problem that he has in t20 so yeah. i think what uh, what we can say is if a test team is filled with six hitters compared yeah. to say six batters then then you're really looking at uh, a shift in uh, thing there but i don't that is definitely not happening at the moment then one four innings they'll chase 600 and there'll be like 100 uh, first innings that they'll get out for 100 100 no yeah but pant doesn't hit in test that's what i'm saying so he's not a hitter in test he's a batsman in test so i i'm saying that the real shift will happen when you start getting hitters in test and whether that will happen i don't know you, you can't get them and take up a single hitter in test i mean the closest thing we've ever had to a hitter in test cricket is probably shahid afridi and even he was not really a hitter in test even he batted it's it's not i mean they're com- they're competing no i mean when once you once this is the once you have to compete you do what you can to survive no in that competition i mean it's it's there's a, there's a reason why shahid afridi takes 4 hours to make 114 in a test match no and the other side the flip side of the coin which i always want to make is that when you get hitting in test cricket it is far superior to t20 i mean you can hit for 6 hours right i mean the the there is no uh, like for instance when pant goes on a rampage in test cricket there is no match for it even pant in full flow in a t20 cannot match the same thrill of it but then that is not consistent no you can't keep hitting in a test match no no sometimes you can like the the way pant played in chennai against uh, jack leach right like he hit eight or nine sixes right over the fielder's head uh, you do get those those days right over the years there have been number of tests where teams have scored quickly to get to the target in the final innings so no the yeah, only yeah. Ca- the only case to be made for modern batting is is the fact that every like we like we discussed earlier every era will reassess the risk reward of batting and therefore they will tend to bat a little more aggressively than before at least on identical conditions and that's got to do with the way test cricket itself you know evolves it's got nothing to do with other formats influence or, and to some extent maybe on you know, one day cricket you can argue influence but t20 cricket is so far away from test cricket uh, that unless you get andre russell playing test cricket it's very hard to make a case that that had any influence but i think one one thing which we, one one factor which probably has had an effect which we probably which we should mention i think is drs because drs has basically taken bad play out of the picture in test cricket you know because Uh, and so you know that that has changed the way players are approaching spin that's one of the reasons why players are playing more shots against spin i mean that's why you see so much sweeping and reverse sweeping and what not you know because you, you that line of defense has been taken away from the batsman not because you get out lbw now whereas previously you could sort of hope to get the benefit of the doubt if you're like well forward and what not that's gone now you can't play with the pad behind the bat uh, sorry the bat behind the pad anymore so that's one of the reasons why they are playing the way they are basically the illusion that test cricket has speeded up is due to the fact that bowling attacks are deeper and wickets are falling fast it's not really about scoring because that what that does is that that gives you uh, that gives batsmen nowhere to hide no i mean they're, they're not going to they, how many i mean you see off the opening pair then you see off the first change bowler then who do you score against 
you know you, you you have to you have to take a chance somewhere no you have to start scoring somewhere and so you might as well start trying to score you know and this is this is actually where pujara sort of got a little stuck in like to 2020 2021 2022 you know where he kept coming up against these attacks where you know there was just no, nothing to hit that's one of the reasons why his scoring rate dropped from like the late 40s to the to mid 30s and that makes a huge difference no over 100 balls if you're scoring 15 runs less that that means you you're just not progressing one of the things is that if the wickets continue to be flat for a sustained period of time then bowlers will get worn down and then i think you will see attritional bowling coming back again in test cricket i wanted to bring up um, you know two tests when i spoke about um, the historical uh, aspect and it was quite interesting when i went back to the archives there was a india pakistan test in karachi in 1978 you know really famous test where pakistan chased uh, 164 runs in less than 25 overs in the final innings and you know that's quite a legendary chase because uh, miandad and uh, asif uh, iqbal i mean they basically just you know they they ran so many twos and threes in that innings and uh, ran the indian fielders ragged basically so that is a famous chase and you know you're talking about a run rate of 6.6 runs and over and then you have the india west indies test in jamaica in 1983 uh, you know which was uh, for all practical purposes washed out by rain but then there just happened to be uh, you know a window where they found that they could dry the pitch and then west indies went on to chase 173 in again 20, around 25 overs 25.2 overs run rate of 6.8 you know you're talking like 1978 1983 at that time and i went back to like reports around both those uh, tests and it's interesting how both of them mentioned one limited overs cricket and how you know because that was around the time when limited overs cricket was picking up you had the 1975 world cup and you had that so it's interesting how each time there is a sort of a quick run chase in test cricket it seems that you know the limited overs form does get a mention and as we are seeing now with t20 just the the form form is different but uh the comparisons remain but in that pakistan series in 78 it happened twice no i mean it it happened in the correct uh, they chased in lahore also yeah yeah it happened in lahore where they chased 128 in about little over 20 overs on the fifth day and then they chased 164 in 25 overs so it's not like uh, i mean I, I, they had a lot of really good stroke playing stroke makers you know i mean Zahira they had Khan. an amazing batting lineup like yeah of course i mean you had uh, what, i i'll read out the batting lineup i mean majid khan asif iqbal miandad imran khan i mean that's like you're talking Zahira about Abbas. yeah zahir abbas also late i mean they're talking about five of the great pakistani batsmen right there i mean imran all rounder but the rest were yeah. great bat, batsmen yeah and india didn't really have that much bowling let's face it Carson Gavri, Kapil Dev, who was just starting out, Mohinder Amarnath, Bedi, who was probably in the last uh, phase of his career. Yeah, that's true. A tangential query for you guys: What do you think was the bowling average of Imran Khan in fourth innings? Twenty-four, twenty-three. It's he's asking it. It's because it's probably high. It's what twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah. No, it's forty-two. Thirty plus. Forty-two. Yeah. Oh, wow. he, he, so he brought nineteen innings and twenty-one wickets. He's not. He doesn't even have a five-wicket role in the fourth innings. So I mean, it, it, which reiterates the point that it is about the conditions. 
what about wasim i'm pretty sure wasim would have had a very good fourth innings average wasim was 21.66 yeah that's that's terrific i mean but i it depends on very bold it depends on the breakdown and all that i haven't checked but i'm just, my no it's no. also reverse swing no reverse swing used to help them a lot in the final innings no but i mean in many places also had it so yeah but uh, the point about uh, bowlers intensity is something that dravid himself brought up in the after edge baston and i was surprised to hear it from him himself because in a way he's dissing his own bowlers but he did say that it's important that in the he spoke about the south africa series where india lost uh, two tests by seven wickets then they lost edge baston by seven wickets he said that these three tests these two series have shown us that it is important to maintain our intensity through the four innings through the first and second innings and uh, you know that's something that we need to work on so yeah i mean it 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 could be a factor that you know, they're much potent in the first innings than in the second but i don't know what he means by theoretically possible right like for instance you before a test match you have so much time to be in prime condition you can go to the gym you can like uh, use the foam roller you can use the massage you can do all that right but on the day of the test match you're going to go and play for 7 hours or, or 6 hours on the field you come back you barely have time to recover it's it is naturally going to get progressively worse you can argue it's true for for all the time right but the thing is the the cricketers of an earlier era didn't have as many opportunities and as much advancement in fitness you know knowledge and equipment and access to be as primed on first day as the current generation is so the current generation while enjoying an immense advantage also are going to pay for it by the drop in intensity i i don't know it's it's not even something that you can fix is my sense no but the drop in intensity was uh, eventually gets made up by the draw, the wearing of the pitches in many cases right so even if you are at 80% if you have wide cracks on the pitch you are likely to be that much more successful right so that's one point but like if you if you were to let's say take couple for an, for an instance for, for example right my argument is that couple came on the first day with not as much prep as as a bumrah does and therefore if you take his let's say i mean let's give a fitness score right like prime fitness prime score yeah, the difference between first year and last year wouldn't have been much but for bumrah it's quite stark even if you argue that the fifth day prime score for bumrah is better than you know better than kapil that's one thing the other thing is if you remember kapil bowling in the you know with a semi injured sort of uh, hip or, or groin or whatever in in melbourne in 81 melbourne you're not going to find another bowler bowling like that you know you you're simply not going to see a bowler who is not fully fit going full throttle so my next question is that in the before the edge baston test uh ben stokes made a comment which was widely publicized as the moment when test cricket changed forever he said uh, we will chase after winning the toss he said we will chase he didn't say we will field he said we will chase so apparently many english journalists said that that is it that is when test cricket changed forever anyway irrespective of whether it changed or not the question i have is do you think teams will start doing this sort of reverse uh taking you know this reverse home advantage where they find ways to prepare pitches that are getting better with time and then at, as opposed to you know the usual thoughts of home advantage that we have where you know you prepare like like in india you'll prepare a pitch that basically by day 2 is like gone and then your spinners will just uh, take over do you do you at all see that happening or it you feel it can't happen because it's so weather dependent and it's so hard to prepare like pitches like that yeah i think i think certain countries might wear you know if they know the venue beforehand and they have some kind of you know local knowledge as to how the pitches will behave 
they might take the decision i don't see india doing that ever uh i don't see indian pitches you know easing out after day 3 or 4 after like you know being vicious for the first two days that's not how traditional indian pitches have been so i don't think at least for the subcontinent it will be rarer but uh, maybe england maybe new zealand those are the two places and you know the anomalous south africa i don't know what happened there also so those three countries i surely see that happening uh, australia yeah, that's true actually actually in the last uh, you know the last 2 3 years the most stunning chase for me personally was that the west indies chase because you know it came in asia where it's very hard to uh, uh, chase like that i mean of course after that uh, Sh- uh, pakistan won at uh, gol but that uh, west indies chase i was like blown away that uh, they bangladesh uh, couldn't defend 395 on the final yes yeah kal my special but hang on are you like i, I don't even get it I, i i completely disagree with that point because it's not like you decide one day okay if i bat four i have a distinct advantage in test cricket test cricket doesn't work like that there is no arbitrage in this game right there there the okay there there are some things that you can you you can make a strategic choice in reaction to what's going on i mean let's say for instance on the first day of a pitch you know if you if there is a possibility that you can get all out for 60 you said your number 11 bat to bat and whatever that's really the the extent of strategy or tactics that can work to simply say okay uh, the only thing that i'll concede for both basketball and uh, the strokes statement is that for a lineup like england uh, given their strengths it makes sense to kind of find a different uh, point on the risk reward frontier of giving yourself a greater chance of chasing at the cost of losing you know more first day sort of uh, more first innings cheap scores right and it's okay but it's still it is still on the frontier it is it still means that you could choose this and have a certain risk reward and you could choose something else and it's a, a different risk reward but otherwise i mean i do subscribe to wisdom cricket monthly and i enjoy that magazine immensely i like um, i like the editor uh, what's his name phil uh, phil walker phil walker i really like the way he writes very romantic writing i just absolutely love it and the last two uh, editions have been so full of optimism it's like the, the some of the commentaries about how test cricket is changing right in front of our eyes and we should be celebrating i enjoy that kind of writing even though it makes no sense so i am all happy for those kind of narratives uh, but but having said that the reality is uh, it doesn't change anything you enjoy that kind of writing even though it makes no sense <laughs> but, uh, okay that's because it's done really well i mean there are people who do it really poorly but wizard cricket monthly does it beautifully particularly I'm, i'm mostly worried about what ben stokes is going to say next you know i mean he changed <laughs> test cricket by saying we are going to chase then he killed one day cricket by retiring <laughs> not no and and ben stokes went to the extent i mean I, he was probably saying this tongue in cheek also partly but he went to the extent of saying i was wishing india set us a 400 plus target to see how we would chase and all that this is all like taking things to a different level na <laughs> okay in june in england okay, i understand ben stokes thinking that okay you know the wicket will not break on the fourth in the fourth day because it's it's not that hot yet you know in in june so you know there's not that much heat on the wicket that doesn't dry out so much and it it just plays really well you know there are been a lot of high scoring test matches in england in june you know i think teams are teams tend to send the opposition in because 
they want to get them out cheaply on the first day and get ahead. That's still the way to win test matches, to get ahead in the first innings and win from there. Even in 2022, that's how most test matches have been won. Yeah, I think what one one thing that could happen, especially in certain conditions, is what we saw at Gaul in the second test against Pakistan, where teams de- teams are un- unwilling to declare even when they have like you know a 400, uh, 400, 410 target. If if there's time in the match to basically uh, you know go with the time rather than with the runs and say that you know we don't want to give this team more than. Uh, 110 overs or 100 overs or something to get go for it. Yeah. yeah, but that's always been the case in test matches. No, I mean, teams have always made decisions based on how much time there's remaining. That's that's been the main driver of... Yeah, but, but they the have made decisions based on how much time remaining to bowl the other team out. But in this case, I'm saying the decision could also have another parameter there, which is how much time do we leave to not only bowl them out, but to not give them enough time to chase. Yeah, but that's also there. No, I mean, you want to, you, if you have a chance of, you know, uh, batting the other side out of the game, so giving them basically no chance of winning and forcing them to just, you know, defend for what, however much time is remaining to save the test match. And that's that's a legitimate idea. No, that's always been there. Ganguly uh, declared late on the fifth day, uh, fifth in morning. Calcutta. Yeah. And then again yeah. in Sydney, they batted again and extended the lead to 400. Even the tight test, right? Tight test, uh, Border was not convinced that he had to declare. And they decided overnight with Simpsons inputs that they had to declare. And we did have a tight test. I mean, who, who expected Sunil Gavaskar to start out like that? I mean, okay, couples have scored 100 in the first innings. That makes sense. But who expected Gavaskar to st- start out like that? I mean, well, Alan Border for one. Yeah, Border did. I'm just saying, like, you could. <laughs> You could dismiss it as past, but Gavaskar was a real threat. I mean, it's not the first big chase he's been part of, right? I mean, there was another one in England which he nearly pulled off. So every time, so there is a certain recency bias for sure, but that's always been the case in in this trade, right? That is, okay, the only factor you can argue is that uh, in a six-hour sort of window, uh, a batsman of today are going to score a little more than that. Therefore, the threshold has to be higher. But that threshold has been getting higher right through the history. And I don't see this as anything inorganic. The interesting thing about the tight test, which I wanted to, uh, which I recently, you know, which I wanted to bring up is uh, Ravi Shastri, who played in that tight test, who was in fact not out at the end of that tight test, 347, right? India chased. But he, when he was coach in, of the team, Indian team in Brisbane, perhaps because it was away from home or maybe it was uh, an Indian team that was not full strength or whatever, he said, I didn't think that uh, we were going to, like, there were a chance of victory was that high in the final day in Brisbane with the amount of runs and the, this thing. And it was only, of course, he made that statement about how at tea time Gill and Pant were talking and then he walked past them and he realized that he didn't have to say anything because they had decided to go for the win and that's it. He let them he let them do what they wanted. Those are all stories, man. I mean, the basic fact is that Brisbane is a fast scoring ground. Look at the scoring rates in the first innings at Brisbane compared to the first innings at Sydney, no? Or Melbourne. I mean, it's the yeah, same player playing against the same players and scoring much quicker. No, but it's fair enough to say we're chasing 320 odd in yeah, the final. No, if if on a if if the conditions are allowing you to score at three and a half and over, then 100 runs in a session is one thing. If the conditions are making it hard for you to score two and a half and over, then 100 runs in a session is a lot. 
no that that's the that's the distinction no i mean and especially while rishabh pant was in there was you know 100 in the last 20 overs was on yeah i mean the conditions were good but also the australian bowling was not as i mean stark had a really bad day on the final day so you know that that also added to it uh it helped they helped india that stack out basically it was fast it was and by fast scoring i mean it's not just the speed of the outfield it's also what shots are on no i mean what whether the square cut is on whether the pull is on whether the you know the bounce is true whether the pace is even those are all things which matter no whether whether like the the cover drive is like the glory flying of the bat or whether it's not always being timed no i mean we've seen we all know examples where you know really good players who play have shots all over the pitch can barely get the ball off the square for an hour or an hour and a half and that's not because they're stupid no that's because it's hard to score in those conditions so the speed of scoring which a test match is allowing which a ground is allowing is a big factor and it it the correlation is remarkable you should you should look up the record on this really but i mean but gaba until uh, india chased gaba the highest fourth innings chase at the gaba was not uh, any 300 plus score yeah but that's but that's because australia are blowing teams out of the water no in the first innings of those test matches for the most part yeah so you're saying india india staying in the test till the fourth innings was itself a triumph the lord then, lord yeah. kept in the test match man got it got it got it yeah so so the the connection between the fourth innings and the first three innings is something that we tend to forget which can't yeah, the which is inning. look at yeah. if you want to see basically here's here's the absolute like the most reliable formula i can find and i've been looking at this record for 10 years now the most reliable evidence i can find of whether a fourth inning chase is viable is to look at the scoring rate in the first and second innings of the test match if this asking rate is anywhere close to what the teams have managed in the first and second innings of a test match they are going to chase those runs and there's a chance that they'll chase those runs the other interesting feature is whether or not the third innings ended in a declaration if the third innings ends in a declaration run chases become far less likely and that's it sort of makes sense because you can imagine that you know if a team is declaring then it is it is it is choosing to ask the other side to bat when it wants to whereas if it's bowled out it hasn't got a choice in the match Far yeah i think uh, bangladesh declared eight down in that yeah. the match against west indies and yeah. the border declared but yeah those are exceptions compared to these other chases that we see yeah. so so what more other than the scoring rate it's also yeah. how quickly the match progresses right like if 20 wickets fall in the first two days then yeah. the third innings becomes extremely crucial for both teams and let's say if 20 wickets fall in the first two days and one team has conceded a lead of 100 now you think the team that has a 100 run lead is in the is in the driver seat but now third in third innings becomes all the more important yeah but you're, with, you're right but you see having a 100 runs lead with three and a half days to play is one thing having a 100 runs lead with two days to play is another thing no because there's that much less time in the test match to make up that lead point about run rates is interesting because uh, in that edge baston test that just yeah. finished, i mean that england beat india yeah 
India's first innings run rate was 4.90. Yeah. Okay, where they scored 416. England's yeah. first innings run rate, slower gone or whatever you make of it, was 4.61, which is slower. Yeah. And then India scored at nearly three runs and over in the in the third innings. And in yeah. the final innings, England scored at 4.93. Yeah. Which seemed like astonishingly fast, but still it is almost the same as what India did in the first innings. Or and the first innings run rate of the match. Yeah. First innings run rate of the match. Yeah. yeah. This is a pattern. This is always this is something you notice over and over again if you look if you pour over the records. And I I first noticed this about 10 years ago. You know when? Guess when, since we are talking about Run chases and aborted run chases and whatnot. This was probably oh, Dominica. when India. No, 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 Dominica. Oh, Dominica. Yes, Dominica is the key key word. It's great controversy. Yeah, I mean, come on, you, you, I mean, let's not get into that again. I think we spoke about that for two hours or something uh, that day itself. <laughs> and I'm looking at, I'm looking at another test. Where that uh, 2019 Headingley test that England won by one wicket, there yeah. Australia's first innings run rate was 3.43. England got bowled out for 67 with yeah. a run rate of 2.4. Australia's yeah. second innings was 3.26. And then when England chased that target, 359 with Ben Stokes getting 135, their run rate was 2.88. So yeah. it was again much lower than. Yeah, but that's a little rare. That's a little of a anomaly because the first things were so short. It was, I think, one ninety and sixty seven. So one seventy nine and sixty seven. Yeah, one seventy nine and sixty seven. Correct. So those are those are just real. Those first innings are finishing really fast. So there's a lot of time remaining in the test match. So it's basically like a glorified one innings match at that point. See, that's the problem, right? Like I, those are the type of matches where such abnormal results tend to pop up also because it's not just the scoring rate it's how quickly the 20 first 20 wickets fall if they if they both fall like let's say between within the lunch of day 3 so not half of the test match is gone but half of the resources are gone that means there is a chance for some kind of abnormal results to happen because there is a lot of time left in the match so so that is also a factor is what i'm saying yeah, that's true. Which is why, like, you know, the GABA test of 2021 was probably, like, a more fairer example. I mean, India, India's first, I mean, Australia's first innings was at 3.19. India's first innings at 3, even. Australia's second innings at 3.87 because, you know, they were going for the, uh, they were going for quick <laughs> runs also towards the end. And India's chase was at 3.39. So, yeah, nothing, all pretty steady. You, that's why you need uh, Pujara or Azhar Ali or, or people like that. Like you need some batsmen to consume time also. No, no, but, but uh, Pujara, Pujara in Brisbane second innings was also probably scoring quicker in one phase than even Pant, right? Than even uh, who was he batting with? Gil. Yeah. Uh, not, not for the match. I'm saying in general, you need people to eat some time out of the match so that you don't yeah. give opposition you know, any chance of scoring runs also. That that's true. The yeah, they basically consume that time that the opposition can use to actually go for the target in the fourth innings. Correct. Yeah. You have to say like India are a bit of a special case. Okay? I mean, this current India, I don't, I don't think it's in their bones to, to to play out a draw. You know, there 
that's been beaten out of them kohli will shout at them so loudly that they they dare not not go for it i mean also given the amount of results i mean how many draws do we really get these days i mean we, we, don't. we don't even yeah the number of draws are so minimal i mean sri lanka has what seen one draw in like 8 years or something like that uh, yeah. uh more india has probably not seen a draw in a long long time uh, you know so it's rare do we saw one, one man we saw one in this very cycle against new zealand that last wicket denied uh, india the victory i think in kanpur right but that was yeah. ridiculous i mean for i remember talking about that match it had no business being that close it should have been like a really dull boring draw but just because of the depth of resources that india had that we came so close in and also i don't i don't think any other indian team or any other team in the world could have come that close to a result on, on that wicket all right i think uh, we can wrap up now by picking out um, you know two one two three how many ever you want of the favorite cases this could be something that you've uh, seen recently in the past something you've read about something you wished you had seen anything so yeah let's uh, i i'll start i'll start uh, by plugging the book that we recently republished uh, mike cowards cricket beyond the bazaar which had uh, which has like perhaps the best retelling of the tight test and uh, it is quite a remarkable chase i mean in back in 86 1986 you're talking about 340 Seven on the final day. I mean, this that would have been some sight to watch. Uh, Sunil Gavaskar's ninety, uh, you know, which everybody who has watched it has just you know spoken of in such high terms. Uh, and to actually think, I mean, India were the stronger team coming into that test. Australia were the much weaker team, at least in you know as far as India saw. So India felt that they had to, you know. you know win this test i mean they felt confident enough that they could win it australia simpson basically convinced border that he had to declare overnight to have any chance of winning it but uh, yeah just to have been there and of course there was all this other tension of the umpires and the heat and alan border nearly being sent off tim <laughs> uh, zorer creating a fuss with chetan sharma and all that that happened the drama but the actual batting and the cricket and the bowling and greg greg matthews getting those five wickets india actually going for the chase it would have been quite a stunning chase my second favorite uh, <coughs> chase i actually have to go with uh, something uh, from that 2008 test and it was not so much 2008 india england test in chennai it was not so much the final day that uh, i remember as much as the day four in the end when sevak just came and absolutely blitz them all over and you know that that was just a sight to watch this this guy i mean sevag has played like so many remarkable innings but that particular innings on that day 4 was just that was like a innings that you watch standing up I and mean, there's no way you could sit down when watching him is like he is just going after everything that they were throwing at him it was great to watch and of course in the final day uh, tendulkar yuvraj all had uh, you know had a very good partnership Great to watch the win, but yeah, Sevag on day four, on a fourth innings run chase was brilliant. So those are the two I will pick. Okay, Mahesh or anyone else? Yeah, that Sevag thing changed the whole game, right? I mean, if, if not for that innings, that would have been a draw. It doesn't matter what Sachin did, what Yuvraj did. If not for what Sevag did, it would have been a draw at best. I mean, he bought them time pretty much by scoring so quickly, right? I mean, that's the that's the value that he had. He gave them that extra time to steadily go for the win. and of course 
not to say not to talk about the runs that he chopped off right in the beginning okay i will go next should it necessarily be a successful chase not necessary but oh okay. i know what's coming because the tight test was not a successful chase at the oh, end at least it's it not a loss tight. yeah so so i know what's coming as uh, as part of preparation for this uh, podcast i did watch the highlights of some of the games that you're going to talk. we just, you just talked about the seva innings i was just showing it to my son and i was explaining him the concept of fourth innings chase and all that and he enjoyed watching that immensely then i showed him okay now that you've seen this let me show you the heartbreak and <laughs> i showed him sachin's 136 and you know like in in my mind in a parallel universe it's a, it's an innings that he played like he he just just took india to a close and we won that match and a lot of the nonsense about sachin we've heard over the years would have been like unwritten and whatever right uh, i mean it, it is still very close to my heart and and it is close to my heart in a different way i mean for for most of the time i've spent I've, you know like sibi has written about this as the mother of all heartbreaks and so on for a lot of the years i spent spent uh, thinking about the innings uh, about the innings that way uh but i think in the last 10 years i have grown more uh celebratory about the innings in the sense that i always i mean it's something that i talked about before as well right like sachin had his probably signature test innings barely 3 months apart from when lara had his signature uh, you know test innings which was the uh, 153 153 at bridgetown and very very similar sort of innings uh lara was a bit lucky he really dropped the catch and here sachin you know wasn't as lucky uh, akram caught the catch Uh, but of course sachin was also lucky today i noticed that when he was on 90 there was a very easy stumping that bowen can missed uh, so so of course you know that, that's not the point of it but the point is that it was a classic fifth day wicket it was the kind of fifth day wicket that you would expect in india especially in chennai you had basim akram baka yunus bowling basim akram was bowling beautifully and and if you had any doubts ask rahul dravid and uh, saklain probably bowled uh saklan wasn't that kind of a purple patch that i don't think any spinner in test cricket has ever been you know in a more purple patch in a purple patch than that you know he was in that supreme form in that series and the, the wicket was doing all kinds of things to be able to play that innings required the absolute mastery of sachin and it was all on display mongia made 52 in 135 on the same pitch man it was not so bad Oh sure. Uh, what about the five other batsmen who got out? <laughs> well, one of them was out bomb ball. You know, I mean, Ganguly was not out. It was not unplayable or anything like. That. It was an unplayable. Of course, if it's unplayable, no, like you wouldn't have got that score. You know, William Faulkner is like he's like it's not it's two o'clock in the afternoon on uh, on 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 what is it for what what is the day for every southern boy 14 years old not once when you know, there is an instance where it's not yet 2 o'clock on that july afternoon 1863 you know this is william faulkner talking about pickets charge you know this is the you know the horrible southern uh, tragedy uh, and and for this generation of indian fans it is that thursday evening on in 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 chennai just pass saklain mushtaq is running up to bowl to tendulkar and tendulkar is charging out and skying a ball to mid off where wasim akram takes catch the next time i read, write a piece on this test which what which uh, will be yeah. not to uh, you know it will be pretty soon i'm sure because i have made this test like my sort of some phd thesis almost i will quote this william faulkner line of yours okay Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like. No, no, hang on, hang on. My, my, 
argument here is the opposite that you know i used to be that guy but now i want to celebrate this and i don't want to look at it as a heartbreak i you know it's it's okay he got out it's okay you know that the, the monkey of this innings yet to like live with for the rest of his life and so on i am just saying it was just so beautiful to watch such in bat like that and uh, you know f- uh, the in the in that uh, over where he, he misses his stumping one can misses his stumping he scores four boundaries of supply oh my goodness so so beautiful to watch first of all mahesh let's get this clear now is that the bigger heartbreak or is adelaide the 2014 the bigger heartbreak because rohit sharma could have led india to the gro- glorious victory in adelaide 2014 fellow got out for scoring like some six runs or some five runs or something let's not go anyway <laughs> no 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 the, i haven't come to my second the second one is uh, is this india west indies uh, test in bombay uh, which was uh, i think ashwin That ashwin second. ashwin done yeah that's yeah, another one yeah uh, it is quite a bizarre test in the sense that what i think first innings west indies scored 590 or something right uh, darren bravo made a very good 100 and then uh, india replied with close to 400 500 i think so uh, i wasn't even particularly interested in this test it was happening in bombay i didn't even go there for some reason and uh, uh, maybe it was a working day or something finally it was a weekend and i went there and i was still trying to get tickets and you know all of a sudden pragyan oja has brought the test alive so there was a dramatic change in the in the nature of the pitch and uh, you saw pragyan oja you know first of all opening the bowling and taking six wickets and and west indies were like all out for for a pretty cheap score and west indies didn't have a particularly deep bowling attack right they were playing with fiddle edwards ravi rampal and the the third bowler and the, the spinner who bowled the most overs is marlon samuels and devendra bishu the other spinner so uh, one it was it was a fun test to watch because it is you know nobody expected that test to to pan out the way it did eventually and i have always been fascinated with this you know people keep talking about tight test i know tight tests are great there's only been two great tight tests i know it is so rare and, and i take all that right but to me the first time i saw the scorecard of that england west india england zimbabwe match we flip and murder them right the uh, draw with scores level i was just blown away by the fact that it was even possible i had read about tetris before but nobody told me that this was possible in test cricket so to be draw with scores level was always the most exotic of test cricket results and to be able to see that live like what are the odds like that you will be uh, watching a test live where uh, such a thing happens again and i'm not sure how many wickets were down in the in the england innings not nine for sure but in this case nine wickets are down Ashwin was nearly Ashwin could have been run out going for the second test, so it could have been a tight test, and it was so close to being a win, but it eventually ended up being a draw with scores level. So I'll probably pick that one. Okay. Just for the I think even wins. I think there have only been two, even of those those instances. Of, yeah, two, uh, but nobody talks about it, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So two tight tests and two such tests. Draw with so scores. So these level. are the lesser lesser brothers in the. Uh, yeah, yeah. Test, exotic test results yeah okay so corner pick 136 i was about to say it but thankfully both of you did not pick the greatest fourth inning chase of all time it was a failure but still it was the greatest astle 222 oh right? that was some hitting yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, i picked it specifically because i was lucky enough i woke up early that day i was able to see uh, right when stephen fleming got out after that uh, astle started going mad first i think with adam parore and then uh, chris kane comes back as the last wicket he is injured or what not so he gets a runner and this guy just goes ballistic uh and it was super fun to watch it 
it was actually the best it, i think uh, rob linda has that video he occasionally you know plugs it in you just have to listen to the shots the 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 the, the sound of the bat connecting with the ball it's so pristine it's so beautiful so and it's my all time favorite one of my all time favorite uh, test innings so that is one the second is slightly regret filled because that was also that match was also telecast but because of that match happening in west indies that lara 153 uh so between lunch and tea uh, i think lara just crosses 50 or 60 of this and it's like 12 or 1 in the night and uh, i i am forced by my parents to go to sleep so i miss the exciting part of it but i actually watch uh, the last day the play of the last day uh, when you know adams and adams has slowly started putting tent and staying there and lara is slowly getting into his groove so uh, that is one another test match where i was so you know full of excitement and anticipation but disappointed that i couldn't see it till the end so those are the two so lara 153 for bizarre reasons and asking for even though if it's a loss it was a glorious innings the lara 153 was so remarkable the second high score was adams with 38 and you know they were 105 for 5 man chasing 308 against that australian team you know with megra gillespie won and megill also played that match i'm looking at the scorecard so hmm. yeah that was just absolutely remarkable innings i mean easily one of the best i've seen and i should link um, rahul batacharya's famous fly lara fly about that innings quite a uh, brilliant piece of writing kd sorry, sorry one thing what's it about the time zone one one chase you pick like early in the morning and the other one is late in the night you don't pick any chases that you watch during human hours over yeah no no those those are like uh, school and college years right like you're forced to wake up early to study because early morning if you study it will be you will retain more information and you're supposed to sleep early in the night so i think that those two are the contributing factors i did not study that's the spoiler alert but anyways i was able to watch these matches when on when oh, possible that astel test the best thing was that the, in the third innings graham top had scored 200 of 231 balls he was dropped by astel earlier okay that i don't remember but i remember seeing the scorecard and i'm like what how did gram top do this and then the next day you find that some guy has actually gone even further and made this like 222 runs in what again scorecard help in 168 balls oh man and astel coming down the track to those english pacers and just smashing them over this some sight kd i am not going to tragedy and all but i will <laughs> i will point to like two cases which I wish I could have watched. Well, first is of course, you know, uh, Port of Spain in 1976 in India chase 400. I I wish I could have been there to see that. That would have been fun because, you know, that was the chase which spawned Bodyline, uh, you know, but, you know, it it basically this it basically convinced Clive Lloyd that he had to hit people to 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 become a force uh, or so the story goes. but i wish i that that would have been a chase worth seeing you know just to see inshan ali and rafiq chumadeen and all those all those bowlers and the second i wish i could have watched is gordon greenwich at lords in 1984 when west indies chased 344 on the last day and gordon greenwich made a double century and one leg 
you know that's just 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 because it's a double century on one leg i want to see that it's like they chased 344 in like less than uh, 400 balls so that would have been something to see two sessions right one by nine wickets yeah absolutely i mean uh, that was uh, that would have been some innings uh, been written about widely the port of spain by the way i'm looking at the scorecard it was uh, albert padmore he was the third spinner so yeah. Im- there was imtiaz ali not inshan ali imtiaz ali rafiq jumadeen and albert padmore mm. those were the spinners no yeah good it's a good range of test matches ranging from uh, 1976 all the way to uh, 2008 of course we mentioned the adelaide chase in 2014 and then we have spoken about all these recent chases england west indies pakistan before we finish i want to give a shout out to shiva our friend uh, atlas dance from twitter he was there with me on that test uh, at bombay in uh, at vankade for the india west indies test which was a draw with scores level and this was also, 2011 and 12 right 11 11 yeah. yeah and he also claims that he was there in chennai for the tight test So, what are the odds that the same person was at the ground for the tight test and another one with draw scores, uh, draw scores level? Oh wow! Yeah, does he claim that he was in Harare? That is the other question. Oh, Bulawayo, wherever that uh, big one is. Yeah, yeah, possible. You know, no, no, no. I'm, I'm a little surprised that he doesn't claim he was at Brisbane in 1960. <laughs> Half of Chennai was Chepok in 1999, man. I mean, I, I actually. Uh, you know 99 i was able to track down people to talk to were at the test and you know they remembered where they sat and they remembered so many details now i think my next project should be tracking down people who were at the 74 game that might be the bigger challenge anyway uh, yeah we should talk about that uh, series uh, 74 series at some point that is a great uh, india west indies series but uh, as of now we'll wait and watch what england does against south africa and then quite a few other games coming up uh we plug for cricket beyond the bazaar i know i'm plugging it many times but it's a wonderful book pick it up uh subscribe to our podcast rate it review it 81allout.com is a website uh, we are at twitter at 81allout send your feedback there or put a comment in the website anything would be great and uh yeah thanks guys for joining and we'll hopefully see you sometime soon 